Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Well, I mentioned that I'm preaching in Jeremiah all through Lent, but Jeremiah is a very big book, which means I will not be hitting all the passages and themes, of course, but we are moving in order. And so this week, our reading takes us to chapter 8, beginning in verse 18 and going through chapter 9, verse 1. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me, my heart is sick. Hark the cry of my poor people from far and wide in the land. Is the Lord not in Zion? Is her king not in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their images, with their foreign idols? The harvest is past. The summer is ended. And we are not saved For the hurt of my poor people, I am hurt. I mourn and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of my poor people not been restored? Oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears so that I might weep day and night for the slain of my poor people. The TV show uh, Law and Order, the, the original series, stayed on for 20 seasons from 1990 to 2010. And, and not including the, sp- the spinoffs, SVU and Criminal Intent and all that. But in the original, many if not all, of the episodes had exactly the same formula. One-hour show, first 30 minutes given to the investigation of the crime, usually murder. And then once Lenny Briscoe and Lieutenant Van Buren had nabbed the perpetrator, the next 30 minutes was given to the prosecution by Sam Shepard and the Manhattan District Attorney's Office. Same, every week. 20 seasons, 456 episodes, and basically the same format every week. Half-hour crime and arrest, half-hour investigation and trial, bad guy goes to jail. What, besides Angie Harmon, what would keep this predictable formula on the air for 20 years? Well, I think it was so popular because this script was so dependable. Because that is so inherently satisfying. Every week, we could watch a bad thing happen and then come to pleasing justice in just one hour, including commercials. And our messed up lives are just so far from being resolved It just satisfies something deep inside of us 
to see chaos move to order, people get their due, righteousness win, all in about the time it takes a load of laundry to go through the dryer. It gives us hope. Now, I'm not suggesting that we don't live inside a story of hope. Our, our Christian faith is anchored in the belief of an ultimate victory. We live with this meta-narrative of enduring hope. And part of what we do when we come together here on Sundays or together around our screens for worship is to look far, to look kind of across the arc of redemptive history so that we're reminded again and again and again that this story ends in victory. Our burdens are temporary, so we come to worship to be reminded that our story is traveling in the direction of ultimate victory. This is my story. This is my song. But let's be honest. There are long, dry stretches in between. There are seasons of this living that seem to be all thorns and no roses. And I struggle with this in preaching, to be honest. Uh, There's a tradition of preaching that insists that every sermon should end in victory, that we hold up the hard struggle of our human condition against the bright light of God's love, and then we experience together the satisfaction of worship that kind of races toward the good news. And this, this is good preaching. But I also struggle with the idea that it might not always match our experience. Our lives are not lived in tight, one-hour episodes where the bad guys get their due, justice is served, briefcase snaps shut, satisfaction that evil has been defeated, and we want another one. The truth is that we often go long, long stretches with no satisfaction at all. The rent is still overdue. The doctor says the tumor is advancing. My daughter still won't speak to me. My supervisor still treats me like an inferior. And I have prayed and cried until I can't anymore. And I'm still depressed or lonely or guilty or dependent or estranged. Have you ever prayed or or cried, rather, till you just cried out? You you had no more tears to offer, and you wish you could just manufacture some just for the release of it? The prophet Jeremiah is there, and he offers us a real look at real life when the pain of living is so loud that it's hard to hear the hymns of heaven. We heard in last week's sermon that Jeremiah has confronted the Israelites with their betrayal of the covenant. The Babylonian army is aggressing from the north, 
And by Jeremiah's account, Israel has it coming because breaking covenant with God, living unfaithfully has its consequences. And like a father watching a rebellious son whom he loves, Jeremiah is just in grief, more more hurt than angry. His, His soul aches because bad things are coming, and he sees it coming. And sometimes life hurts, and sometimes we stand in the face of it powerless and grieving. Jeremiah says, my joy is gone, grief is upon me, my heart is sick. Now, there's not much word dressing right there. That is just straight up pain. Listen to the ache. My joy is gone, grief is upon me, my heart is sick. Is the Lord not in Zion? The harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of my poor people, I'm hurt. I mourn, and dismay has taken hold of me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why, then, has the health of my poor people not been restored? And this is the part where the prophet has cried so much that he's just cried out. He says, oh, that my head were a spring of water and my eyes a fountain of tears so that I might weep day and night. Poetry doesn't always speak to beauty. It doesn't always smell of lilac. Poetry puts language to what we see and experience. And this prophet poet has put language to the raw pain that life sometimes deals out. Well, if if network television is the medium for quick resolution uh, to complex Uh, human situations, then the opposite median uh, might just be the blues. This uniquely American musical art form that doesn't try at all to end everything on a happy note. Uh, The blues artists are poets too. They're folks who just put language to our pain. So, uh, So maybe Jeremiah is a is a a grandfather ancestor to Johnny Lee Hooker and Keb Moe, I don't know. But Jeremiah is laying bare the truth that sometimes our in and out day-to-day living is hard. Here are a few examples of the blues artist doing the same. Otis Redding Left my home in Georgia, headed for the Frisco Bay, because I've had nothing to live for, and looks like nothing's going to come my way. Sitting here resting my bones, and this loneliness won't leave me alone. 
about this for an example of giving voice to a really horrible, no good, very bad day? Some of you have toddlers and understood that. Here's a Willie Nelson blues. The postman delivered a past due bill, a past due bill notice. The alarm clock ran two hour, rang two hours late. The garbage man left all the trash on the sidewalk and the hinges fell off the gate. And this morning at breakfast, I spilled all the coffee and opened the door on my knee. And the last thing I needed, the first thing this morning, was to have you walk out on me. One more. And this might be the lowest yet. B.B. King. Nobody loves me but my mother. And she could be jiving too. That's pretty low. In the fast carnival of our lives, we tend to suppress the hurt. Occupy ourselves. Try to make the pain go numb. As another blues artist confessed, I have a whole ocean of trouble and just a little half a pint of joy. So we work hard. We stay late at the office. We read romance novels and watch reruns of The Office till we doze off in the chair. We carry the pain but we seldom examine it. And the holy season of Lent invites us to shut off the Netflix and sit quietly in our own dismay, lamenting into God's care the pain we cannot fix and repenting for the pain that we can do something about. Last week, the theme of our sermon, the sermon, our focus of our worship, was our own sinfulness, our betrayal of God, noting that the call of Lent is, is a time for us to examine our sins, to confess, to turn from our betrayal so that we might realign and move ourselves back into the lane of God's good hope. But this week, this week, We're looking at the kind of pain that's not of our own doing. Jeremiah is in total anguish. And in this case, it was not something he did. It was not self-inflicted. His pain is caused by the choices of others and by circumstances beyond his control. And what he models for us is that he turns his anguish into a prayer of lament. My joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick. Anyone who has suffered long is put off by simple answers the kind of stuff you'd see cross-stitched on a pillow at your grandmother's house. You know, the Apostle Paul said that he prayed three times to be released from the thorn in his flesh, and it never got released from him. 
the, the pain stayed. And I'm thinking, three times? I've prayed 300 times and still counting. Some of you know what it's like to wish you had more tears. And you know that simple platitudes are no balm at all. We don't want easy, fluffy answers. And you know what? I saw the care that I want in pain. I saw, of all places, I saw it in a Disney film. No kidding. Like many other parents, I have watched The Little Mermaid something like 1,011 times. Most of you have seen it, so you know the scene. So here, this is where we are in the story. Ursula has messed everything up. The prince is angry. The wedding is off. Ariel is heartbroken. And there's this scene, you remember, she's sitting on the pier, her legs dangling over by the water. Yeah, she has legs at this part of the movie, not a tail. Her legs are dangling, and she is sobbing. Her best friend, Flounder, is looking up at her. He's, he's in the water, but just kind of looking up at Ariel, who is just sobbing. And her her tears hit the water and they make ripples across the place where Flounder is floating and staring up at his friend and nobody has said a word. And I've often thought this is the perfect depiction of the care we want. When my joy is gone, when grief is upon me, when my heart is sick, we want somebody to sit nearby say nothing, and just let our tears ripple into their loving presence. Sometimes we can't fix the pain. Sometimes we just need somebody to float nearby and absorb the ripples of our tears because words don't do it. I know this. I know that when pain is most acute, words do Sometimes don't do it. And I'm fighting the urge here because you know that I want to rush and close this message on a high note of good news. I, I, I want to fix things. I, I want worship to function like a law and order show where we, in the first few minutes, we, we bring the pain and then we, we open the worship with our tragedy and in one hour, Everything is resolved, evil is conquered, case is closed, good guys win, chaos is over, pain is gone. Because it's just so hard to stay in the pain of what we cannot fix. And you know that I want to just find the right words to say. I believe in the power of words to heal. I want to say the right thing to make the pain go away. But sometimes we just need to lament. Sometimes it is okay to just sing the blues. Sometimes the most faithful words we can offer is to stare into the heavens and say, my joy is gone. Grief is upon me. My heart is sick. So please know that I'm not 
I'm not trying to put a smiley face bumper sticker across your pain, and I'm not trying to pretend that things can be resolved in an hour, and I'm not trying to act like worship must end every time with us singing victory in Jesus. But can I at least offer this reminder? We are in a long story of God's redemption. We have read the final chapter and we know who wins. If everything in life were perfect, if it never doled out any pain at all, would we need a Savior? You see, this is part of the gift of Lent. Because attention to the parts of our lives that cry out in lament awaken our longing for a Savior. We can't fix everything, which is why we need a deliverer. We don't put smiley stickers on our dismay. We don't just grin and play happy music and pretend. It is okay to cry until you wish you had no more tears to offer. But across the ark, at the end of the story, is a coming Savior who promises to wipe away all the tears. And so we wait for him in hope. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.